Well, good morning. We're so glad you guys made it out today. You look good. Are you cold? Are you a little bit cold? You're warm in here. It feels good in here today. It's usually hot, but when it's cold outside, it feels good in here. Man, we're glad you guys are here today. You look good, and I always say that's half the battle. I stood out in the parking lot today with our team and kind of shook some hands and gave some hugs and gave some high fives out there. And we just want you guys to know that we're glad you guys are here. Um, I think you probably could have went to a few other churches in Winter Garden, and um, or some of you guys drive 40 minutes to get here, so you probably passed 100 churches. Um, <laughs> but we're glad you guys are here today, and we are hoping that today's the day where you can come in and come in and connect with Jesus. And um, our worship team, those are some awesome songs. Um, I, I hope this for you guys in here today. Um, if these songs speak to you, or these songs like, oh, I like those songs, um, download them when you guys get home. Don't just be like, oh, that's a cool song, and then not be able to sing it all week long and get in your car and put the Drake album on. You know what I'm saying? Um, or Jay-Z or whatever it is that you listen to. Um, if you like country, that's okay to listen to in the car because it's kind of Christian. I'm just kidding. Um, but if you, man, why don't you listen to some of the stuff at, at home? Um, I'm one of those weird people I've said to you guys before. Um, I, I'm one of those weird people who, who listen to sermons while I run or while I do activity, um, where I lift or whether um, I'm in the house just kind of hanging out. And I just want you to know, and I think for all of us in here to say that putting positive in is only going to help positive to come out. Putting positive in is only going to help positive to come out. Man, uh, we, we like Sundays because Sundays we kind of come and we kind of celebrate um, what happened all throughout the week. And we've already had a busy week where we come in a church that's getting a little bit more busy and a little bit more things are going on. We're four months into this church plant and um, we're brand new and um, we're doing pretty good. And, um, and when I say we're doing pretty good, we, the things that we're doing good at is, is reaching people and loving people and lives are being changed. And that's what we're about. We're not literally about building a, bu- building a beautiful building. We borrow this one. You know, we're not about doing a bunch of things that are um, for the inside. We're about a, a community that goes out and loves and serves this area. And so um, we're doing a good job with that. We've been able to feed the girls' basketball team uh, about four times this year. They've made it to districts, which is cool. So we get to do one more. We did all their home games. So we're feeding our girls' basketball team, JV and varsity, um, this Wednesday. Um, Michelle's been a huge help to us. She sits on the front row, and she always gets great pictures from the front row. But Michelle, Michelle's been helping me out with that. And a lot of you guys are kind of hopping in and helping out in different areas. And I'm getting phone calls and texts from people saying, man, your church is really kind. I met someone the other day. They're here at this area serving here. or They're doing this and they're doing that. And so I'm just thankful to be a part of this, this journey with you guys. And um, so we started our, our, our first youth gathering was Thursday night. And we had a great time. We had 25 middle school and high school students show up, which is awesome um, for, for just getting going. And so we had that happen this past week. And what we like about that is we like getting around young students because we believe they're the future of our church. And um, if we get in this church and we only reach people that aren't here today, the church won't exist in 5 and 10 and 15 years. I say this all the time, but 85% of churches are in plateau or decline in America today. There's one church for every 1,000 people in America. And so if we don't invest our kids, if our kids don't think church is fun, if our kids don't think God is important, then what's going to happen in 50 years from now? And I, I said this to you guys early on too, there's half the amount of churches, there's half the amount of churches that there are today than there were 100 years ago. Half the amount. And so we've got to keep on pouring into our, in the next generation. We've got to keep on pouring into them and loving on them and serving on them. Um, we all, so that was Thursday. Wednesday night we started community groups and um, we kicked off um, our Claremont community group. Um, I live close. I moved out here to start this church, so I live close by. And so I got to a lot of our team. They drive from all over the, the, 
the country, it feels like, to get here. And so I got to drive out to Claremont and see what it's like to drive out there because we have people from our team that drive to Claremont, from our team that drive every single week um, to Winter Garden. So I got to go out there, and we had about 12 people in community group there. And awesome, awesome, awesome time. And one of the things that's so important about community groups is because it's easy for you to find relationships, but it's hard for you to find quality relationships. It's easy to find relationships. You can go to a bar and meet somebody tomorrow and start a relationship, but it's hard to find quality relationships. So we want to make sure that you guys are in healthy community and quality relationships. And if you, if you met your best friend at a bar, that's okay. I'm not, I'm not looking down at him to say it. You could go there and meet someone and build a relationship with anyone. You could go to, you could go to the gym and build a relationship. You can go anywhere you want to go, but man, we, we want to put you in quality and healthy relationships so you can talk through life with. And so we're at, we had a really good time with that. We have another one that starts tonight. And, um, and that one is... Um, that one is co-ed, and that's here in the area. And if you would like to come to that, you can sign up in the back or see me. You can text me in the middle of the service. My number's in the back of the, um, of the worship guide. You can send an email during church. It's okay. We're not one of those churches like, you can't use your phone in church. Um, if you hear something today, you want to tweet, you can tweet something today or message something. Or if you want to check it on Facebook, we're not anti-phones here. And so, um, but we want, if you want to come and check it out, um, I said this last week, it's not like a weird church home cultish thing. It's not weird like that at all. It's fun. Today, tonight, we'll have dinner and hang out and we'll laugh and we'll talk what it's like. We're talking on a subject, the things in life that matter the most. And so it'll be a good time. That's tonight's co-ed. And then on um, Tuesday night is our young professionals um, gathering. That's, um, that's about, under, that's under 30, 30 and under. Um, and if you, unless you pretend like you're 30 and under, you can still come down if you want to. Um, if you're in age denial, you can come to anyone you want. I don't care. Um, and then I'm excited about this Thursday. For the next six weeks, I'm doing a study called Fight. Um, it's for men only. And it's, at, um, it's a little bit before Jesus wakes up. It's at 6.30 to 7.30 a.m. Um, at the Village Inn in Winter Garden on Daniels Road. If you'd like to come be a part of that, um, we've got a handful of guys um, that are signed up for that. And um, you can, this book right here, as I'm going to go through it. If you want to own, own this book, it's $10. You can get one of these in the lobby today. Um, and then, I hate to say this, but man, there's the, the, the girls, the ladies community group is like a thousand people are signed up for it. They didn't start till February, and so it's going to be a good time. We just want you to get in one, and um, we, we want you to do this. We want you to know people at this church that you can talk life with, um, you can laugh with, cry with, celebrate with. And it stinks to go through the whole life and you have no one to celebrate it with, you know? So community groups are good for that, and... Um, so yeah, that's my plug for community groups. I wanted to kind of get that in there because they're important to me. I love relationships. I, I believe this. I had um, lunch with Travis and Kristen this week today, and, and or this, this week, and um, relationships are everything. And Jesus made you and I, he made us relational. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, the Bible says this, let us, God's talking to him, to part of the Trinity, it's God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit. He's talking to those three people, All he's kind of having this kind of like bipolar conversation where he's talking to himself. He's like, let us make them, make man in our image. And when Jesus is talking there, he's really, God's talking, he's really saying, hey, let's make, them, let's make them community people. And so whether you know it or not, God's made you to be in community. You're better in community. You can go further in community. You can do life better in relationships, in healthy relationships. And so um, he made us that way, and we'd like for you to, to, to plug in one if you'd like. If not, it's no big deal. What I like about this church is you don't got to do anything you don't want to do. You can just be here. Say this every week, you can just come for the coffee and the free hugs, and we're okay with that. Um, <clears throat> so we're in a series called New, and that's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. The Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is, 
If they're, if they're in Christ, if they've started a relationship with Jesus Christ, then they're a new creature. Period. Deal with it. Huh. And it says in there, it goes on further, it says, All the old is passed away, and the new has come. And you're a new creature. So, man, we, in this short four months, we've had over 35 people give their life to Christ. And at the moment you gave your life to Christ and you commit to following Jesus, you're a new creature, period. And the old has passed away, and you're, you are brand new. You're new. And so that's good news. We looked at a couple of phrases over the last few weeks. We talked about a new life. And everyone in this building here today, if you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you get a brand new life. And what, we liked, what, I, liked about this, what I liked about that week was is that week, our, our 2015, it's gone. It's gone. It's not here no more. 2016 is here. And I, I say this a lot. Man, your best days are ahead of you. 2016 is looking better for some of you guys. It's already been better. We're only four weeks into it. God is doing a new thing. And God's given many of you guys a brand new life. And you get to start that this year, or you get to start it today. And then we looked at the second, we looked at a new name. There was a lady in the Bible, she came in um, to an environment where there was a bunch of religious people there. And, the only, and, there, and there was religious people, and then there was Jesus. She, she comes in, she was overwhelmed with emotion, and she begins to cry and weep. She takes out the most expensive perfume. The most expensive thing that she owned was this perfume. It was about a year's worth of wages, and she dumped it on Jesus' feet, and she cleaned them. It was, she, she didn't even need water because the tears were flowing. She took her hair and she cleaned Jesus' feet. Man, what a life change. The lady there, they didn't, she didn't have a name. In the Bible, she doesn't even say anything. She doesn't even say any, she, she mentions zero words in that interaction with Jesus. Only person that says something in that environment, Jesus says little, the Pharisees are talking. And they're like, why are you letting her touch you, Jesus? What are you doing, Jesus? Why is this guy here? And um, I, I listened to a sermon this week um, about religious people. And uh, one of the things I don't want for us so bad is I don't want us to become a, a group of religious people. Being religious is a waste of time. This isn't about religion. This isn't about coming here and singing the songs and, 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 and hearing the sermon and then walking out and then coming back and the exact same thing again and going out. Man, we are not about being religious. I, we are a church that's about relationship with Jesus and relationship with people. So I'm listening to this guy speak, and he said a handful of powerful, powerful, powerful things. But religious people, they don't want to be, religious people don't like real people. Religious people don't like real people. This lady walked, and this lady had struggles. This lady had problems. This lady had a tough life. And life has just beat her up. And the religious people are like, man, why is she here? Get out of here. If we're going to be the church that God's called us to be, not the church that Wes has called us to be, not the church that, that anybody else around us seems to be, if we're going to be the church that God called us to be, we're going to be about people. And we're going to love people where they're at. You know, I say, well, you don't have to look like us and act like us to be, to be a part of us. And you know what I found this? People walk out and they hate that phrase. They want everyone to look like us and talk like us and act like us. And that's just not reality. That, when, you, when you follow Jesus' life, and I, pro, I, I challenge you this, get your Bible, go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, look at all the things that G, what turned to red, and just look at the way Jesus lived his life. And I want our church to model the life of Jesus. We're going to love people where they're at. And what God will do is we love them where they're at, God will take them where they want to be at, where he wants them to be at. And it's not our job to get in there. We just love them, and God changes them. We love them, and God changes them. And so this lady, she got a brand new name that day. And you here, if you're in here today, God says that you're loved, you're chosen, you're adopted, your son, your daughter, and you have a new name. Then last week, John Eric spoke about a new mind. A new mind. And um, one of the things that he said last week is don't let your bad memories 
depict your mindset. Don't let your bad memories depict your mindset. I think so many times things have happened to us and we've adopted them and they've messed our mind up. Something happened to me, and so it's a memory, this bad memory that I have, and so I'm going to just kind of keep that bad memory around. Do you know anybody that they just kind of keep all their baggage close to them? It's like, it's like, why are you reminding yourself that that happened to you? Quit talking about that. I forget about it. If something bad happens, I forget about it. If someone comes to me and says, hey, can you pray for me? I said, yeah, I'll pray for you. And then at the very end, they'll say, hey, can you not tell anybody about that? And I'm like, listen, that's your own business. But I've had some people come to me, and they dump everything out on me, and, I, and I'll say, I'll pray for you. I say, I'm going to forget all the bad stuff that you just told me. I'm just going to pray for your future. Because it's not about where you've been. It's about where you're going. It's not about where you, if you study the Bible and you watch Jesus in his life, man, he see all these people go through this tough, 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 tough time. Jesus has changed their life and he says, hey, you got a new life. Go live a different way. And they don't go live a different way because they're awesome Christians. They go a different way because Jesus has changed their life. And so we're about life change here and so we talked about having a new mind. And the problem with the new mind is this: is that you've had the same mind for a long time. <laughs> you've had the same mind for a long time. I so bad. I I, I desperately want to get up at six a.m. and go and run. I'm, I I would love that. I'm I'm I desperately. I, I want to wake up at five thirty and drive to the YMCA and live for an hour and then come back home. I so desperately. But you know what happened to me? About sixteen months ago, I had twins. And it has changed my life. I can't get motivated for nothing. When we moved from East Orlando out to this area, my wife's like, what are you going to do with your weight set? I'm like, I'm selling it. I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't, those things got dust on them now. I don't want those things anymore. I can't get my mind around the fact that I've got to get back out there. I've got to start going and start doing again and getting my physical body back to where it's supposed to be at. But I want to, but my mind's like, for 16 months, you just laid in this bed as long as you can lay in this bed. And then my stinking eight-year-old, my sister bought her an iPod, and she loves the iPod for one thing. She likes to wake herself up for school in the morning. And she gets up way before Diane and I even think about getting up. So day, day one, gets, day, school starts a while ago, and she's in our room like at 545. She's dressed. I said, hon, what are you doing? Oh, I just set my alarm clock, and I got up. And Diane's like, hon, you can't do that. You can't set it that early. And a couple weeks goes by. She's in our room. It's 6 a.m. And so we've got her to the point now where she realizes she cannot get up, she cannot set her alarm clock until 6.45. We don't even need to set an alarm clock because she's in our room anyways. She's like, hey, you guys awake? We, we are now. You're shaking us. Your breath's in my face. Of course I'm awake. And so she gets up and she wants to get, I don't even know where that was going. That just kind of popped on my head. It was a good point, Travis, I swear. Um, anyways, here's what we're going to talk about today. Oh, I was talking about changing my mind to get up to want to move. Um, I want to talk to you guys today um, about a new identity. A new identity. About eight years ago in Georgia, there was a man that was found behind a Burger King, beat up, bloodied, and naked, and unconscious. And when he, they got him, take him to the hospital. Maybe you've already seen this on the news or you've seen this on one of these TV shows that I'm about to mention. They take the guy to the hospital. He regains conscience, consciousness. Regains conscience. Doesn't matter. Don't judge me. Um, he regains conscience. And I said don't judge me or correct me. I'm just kidding. Consciousness. He regains consciousness. And they go to the guy and they, 
they start talking to him, where'd you come from? Where'd you, he, he, he's got amnesia. He doesn't remember anything. He remembers zero. So they spent some time with him, and they thought he would begin to regain, re, re, regain and you never could regain any memories. None of them are gone. So the FBI came in. FBI took fingerprints. Not only did they take fingerprints, but they did a DNA testing, and they cannot find who this guy belongs to. No one is claiming this guy. And not only did that happen, but Dr. Phil did a national TV show to try to help this guy find, and then he, no, one, no one claimed him. And then one step further, Dr. Phil hired a, a private investigator to find out this guy and where he came from, to find out this guy's identity. And for eight years, up until this point, still no one's come forward and no one said, hey, that's my son, or that's my friend, or that's my coworker. Can you imagine for eight years, no one's ever, in all these things that have happened, no one know this guy does not know who he is. He has no identity. And what I want to talk to you guys today is this, is that while all of you guys, you guys have your consciousness and you guys, maybe you know who you are and you, you know where you're going and you know all those things about all those things. Could you imagine if you didn't though? Could you imagine if you woke up tomorrow and just all your memories of everything that you've ever known was gone? Completely gone. And whether you can remember all the things that have happened to your life or whether things you can happen, I, I want you to know this. I don't know if you guys have a great memory or if you have a good memory, if you have a bad memory. Uh, my, wife, my wife sometimes says to me, I said, hon, do you remember? She goes, no, hon. Pregnancy brain. And I'm like, what does that mean? She's like, I just, when, every time you have a kid, I'll lose more and more of my memory. <laughs> so she's lost four times her brain, you know, four kids. And the twins, I don't know if that was less or more, but she's, she's like, I forget these things. I forget things. I want to help you with your identity today. Because if you don't know who you are, you'll never be who God's called you to be. And um, in Luke chapter 8, there's a story that I want to read to you. And it's one of my favorite stories. Luke chapter 8, um, verse 26. If you, if you have a Bible, you can turn to it. If you have a, um, an iPad or an iPod, just click over to Luke chapter 8. And we use the New Living Translation. And we just believe that we can understand that translation the best. And it's, it's practical for us. And if you don't have a Bible, we would like to give you a Bible. That's one of the best things that we can do as a church is give you a Bible, and that's, they're free of charge. And, um, and we want you to have one because we want you to be able to grow. We believe that you can grow if you read the Bible. We, we believe that the more you read the Bible, the more you're going to learn more about Jesus. The more you learn about Jesus, the more you learn about his character. And the more you learn about his character, the more you become like his character. And that's what we want as a church. We want us to be more like Jesus. We don't want you to be like me <laughs> or anyone sitting around you because we're all, all of us, including myself, we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of God's glory. And um, I always say this. I'm, this is a rabbit trail, but I'm going to be able to capture it. Um, promise. I, I say this all the time, but, man, we're, we're all sinners in here today. And for so long, the church has put the pastor on a pedestal. And he's the, well, he, he didn't sin or he, 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 doesn't sin as, he doesn't sin like we do. And all of us are in here today are on the same playing ground. Every single one of us are. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short of God's glory, every single one of us. And the only way for us to become like Jesus is for us to follow him and to learn more about him, not to follow me. Now, you can follow me if you want. You can go where I go. Some of you guys, I'm following some of you guys because you, you have a fire about you and your relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm trying to follow some of you guys. You can follow me if you want, but we're all in this together. We're all growing closer to Jesus together. And there's a story in the Bible of a man who had zero identity. And here's what I don't know. I don't know if he had an identity and then he lost his identity, 
But I know in the story now, he has no identity. I don't know if he did before. I don't know if he remembered it. But this guy is pretty messed up. In Luke chapter 8, verse 26, this is one of my favorite texts in the New Testament. Luke, verse, Luke chapter 8, verse 26. So there arrived in the region of the Gerasenes across the lake from Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time he had been homeless and naked and living in a cemetery outside of the town. Jesus had just been healing people. So much he was healing people that they were so crowded that he had to get in a boat and preach from a boat. He had to share the gospel from a boat because the crowds were getting too big. And, and after they got done healing these people and, and speaking, lives were being changed and feeding people and doing all these miracles that we see Jesus do. He's now going across the other side. He's now going across the other side of the lake. And I, I, want to, I want you to know today, for some of you guys, you're in the process of going to the other side. And here's the good news. When you get to the other side, when you get to the other side, Jesus is already there. He's going to be waiting on you. And when you get there, a life change is going to happen to you that you're going to love it. I wish I could show some of you guys six months down the road where you're going to be at spiritually, but I can't. But I wish that I could. I wish for some of you guys I can show you six years down the road. I wish for some of you guys I could paint the picture of how free you're going to be and how that depression is going to leave you or how that anxiety is going to leave you or how that sickness is going to leave you. But I can't. But I know this. When you go to the other side and Jesus is there, everything changes. Everything changes. And so there's this guy there. He's nuts. If you live in a cemetery, you're nuts. <laughs> you're a whack job. <laughs> If you live in a cemetery, that's where he lives at. And when you're a wacko, you have to live in a cemetery because you can't live with anybody else. Somebody wants to live by you. You're weird. And to mention, he's running around naked. It's weird. You're only supposed to do that at home. Not anywhere outside. This guy is out there. He, he's, he's messed up. And as soon as this guy saw Jesus, he shrieked. <laughs> ah! I don't know how he did it. Or, uh, you know, I don't know how he did it. But he shrieked and he fell down in front of him. And he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. I think for some of you guys in here today, I think for a lot of people in their walk with Christ, I think they think that God's punishing them for the sins that they've done. God's not trying to punish anybody in here today. Are there consequences that you have to walk through as a human? Absolutely. But God's not out to punish you guys. He punished himself for all of your sins. By sending his son on the cross for their sins. So I think some people walk around, they don't want to trust God because like, oh, he's, if I follow God, he's, he's going to punish me. God's not trying to punish any of you guys in here today. He's not trying to punish this guy. And in this story, we are this guy. We're the guy, the, we're the maniac at Gadara. We're the guy they call Legion with thousands of thousands of problems inside his mind. We're this guy in this story. And there's a perfect guy in the story. His name is Jesus. And there's a sin in the story, and it's, it's the maniac, and that's you and I. We can relate with that guy. We can't relate with Jesus because he's perfect. And so in this story, this guy's going around. He's crazy, and Jesus saw him. And as soon as he saw him, he ran to him, it says in that verse. And then verse 29, Jesus commanded the evil spirits to come out of him. This spirit had often taken control of the man, even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles. He simply broke them and rushed them out in the wilderness, completely under the demon's power. This guy, only time anyone had ever talked to him was when they were coming to put more chains on him. Put more shackles on him. <clears throat> we don't want people to look like us and act like us when, 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 they, when they come into this building. We want people to come in just the way that they are. And as a church, we're going to be a church that helps people take the shackles off, not put more shackles on. I had lunch with a guy the other day and he said, I have a friend, he's this. Can he come to your church? I said, absolutely. 
what about this friend of mine? Can they come to church? I said, absolutely. They can, they can be here. They can come be a part of this thing. And our job is not to put shackles on people. <laughs> our job is to help people take the shackles off. Our job is to help people be set free. Our job, did you know there, there are some people that they've walked in this church or they walk in church across America and they were, they were one hug away from ending their life. They were one high away from ending life. When people come here, we want to create an environment where we, where we just love people. Hey, man, we're glad you guys are here. And if no one told you today that you're glad that you're here, we're glad that you're here. It's hard enough to come to a church that you've never been to before or come to a church after all week long, the, 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 the lies of Satan have beaten you up and you get to church and you don't know if you're welcomed or not. You're, I mean, you're welcomed here. And in this story... This guy is all by himself. Only time he's around people is when people are putting shackles on him. He's lonely. He's got every kind of problem that there is. He's got these things and these lies that are being fed to him all day long. You're, no one's ever going to help you. You're never going to be saved. You're never going to be rescued. You're too bad or you're too this or you're too this. It sounds a lot like us. That's what the world does to us, doesn't it? You're not this. 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 And the world begins to throw all these things at us. And in this story, this guy has an encounter with Jesus Jesus demanded to him, what's your name? <clears throat> and I, I just, just so you know, Jesus already knew the guy's name. Just, just freebie. And he said, my name is Legion. He replied, because I'm filled with many demons. The demons kept begging him, begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. These demons knew who Jesus was. Like, don't kill us, Jesus. Well, he had to. He did, Jesus did something that was very un-American here. And um, in verse 32, it says, There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby, and the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man, and they entered into the pigs, and the entire herd of pigs jumped over the the hillside into the lake, and they drowned. That's a lot of wasted bacon. You know what I'm saying? Americans ain't wasting bacon, are we? I was, I was so, with someone the other day, and I was like, can I get a, can I get a bacon cheeseburger? Because that's what you're supposed to do when you're a man. You're supposed to put bacon on your cheeseburger. And she looked at the other guy with me, you know, and, I'm, and I look like this. And the other guy next to me looks like he, you know, I, and I ordered a single patty, and he ordered a double patty, you know. And so she asked this guy, does he want bacon? I'm like, he's American. Of course he wants bacon. That's what we do. We love, if you don't like bacon, you're not even a Christian. You, gotta, you should like bacon. And turkey bacon, I'm okay with that. If, oh, I'm okay with it, but it's not the same thing, but it's okay because you're trying but man, he says, he takes all this, this, all these demons go into the bacon and the bacon jumps over the hill and crashes and dies. And then, <clears throat> so Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out and the man entered into the pigs and the, the, I'm sorry, the, the man and they entered into the pigs and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and they drowned. When the herdsmen saw this, they fled to the nearby town and the surrounding country, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. First, and the crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed, and all the people in the region of the Gerasenes begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone for a great wave of fear swept over them. So Jesus returned to the boat and he left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. The man who had been freed from the demons begged Jesus to go with them, but, they, but Jesus sent him home saying, go back to your family and tell them everything that God has done for you. So he went all through the town proclaiming the great things Jesus had done 
before him. Hey, well, I'm gonna invite you back up. We're gonna finish up um, our time together with just a couple of phrases that I wanna give you to kind of write down. Is Abel here? Somewhere? Oh, there you are. Ben Aki. I've been practicing. I did good? Gracias. <laughs> Don't say anything else. Come on, almost done. That's all I got. Mi español es muy poquito. I'm learning. So anyways, you're proud of me. I just saw a tear go down your face, Fraley. Um, hey, uh, listen. When you don't know your identity, you have to become someone that you're not. I've been a youth pastor for, uh, t- I've been a youth pastor since I was, I started youth ministry. I graduated college in 2004. I'm only 34 years old, 33 years old in case some of you guys are trying to do the math. So I've been, a, I've been a youth pastor since I was 2004. I'll be a youth pastor until I die. I love the next generation. I love seeing all these high school kids sitting here and these middle school students. I love them because I believe this, if we can get them on the right path now, there's less correction we have to do later. If we get them on the right path now, then they're gonna be set. I had a friend of mine says, it's all, it's, um, if, if you can get them before they're in middle school, you, you can kind of get them on the right path. But once you get to high school, it's all rehabilitation. And here's the thing that I know about this generation and even about us. When we don't know where identity comes from, we have to be someone that we're not. I, my, my drug of choice is I want people to like me. It's been the thing I've, been, the thing I've chosen my whole entire life. I want everyone to like me, everyone. And when people don't, I'm like, ah, what's wrong with me? And so what you do when, you, when your identity is trying to find, when your identity is in trying to get people to like you, you'll become someone that you're not. You know what's even worse than that? What's worse is when we put our identity in things that are temporary. You cannot put your identity in things that are temporary. You know the statistics of all these football players that once they get done with high school, they go to college, and once they get on college, they go to the pros. You know what happens to them after they get to the pros and then they leave that? Most of them, they go bankrupt or crazy. You wanna know why? Because they've dumped all their identity in being a football player. But what happens when football's over? What do you do then? I know so many people, they're, all of their identity is in their job. I have this company, Wes, I built it. I'm incredible, Wes, I built this entire company. All their identity is in this business. But can I tell you what I know? That business won't be around for forever. I sat across the table from some friends the other day. They said one year we did a million dollars. The very next year we did $80,000 in the recession in 2008. Less than 11 months from a million to 80,000. If their identity, and I said, you, and I said, what'd you do? They said, well, we made it. We had a, we had a, our, we know who our name, we were gonna make it. I just said, you just, you're gonna make it because we just decided we were gonna make it. If your identity is in money or if your identity is in all these things and the, and the houses and all the things, if your identity is in all those things, when you lose it all, then what happens to you? Then you, you're back, then you're, you have to find something else to put your identity in again. I, I know people, and, and I, I say this very um, cautiously, I, I, I love being married to my wife and, and she's awesome, she's incredible, she loves Jesus. But I don't find, we don't find all of our identity, in any, our identity is not in each other. Because God one day, you know, God could take, take my wife to heaven before I get there. And if my identity is all in my wife or in all in my, in my marriage, or my identity is all in my kids, if I put all, everything I got inside of something that's temporary, if it's, if it's what happens when it leaves? 
You have to, when it leaves and you lose your identity, you have to find something else to put your identity back in again. And I want to give you something today you can put your identity in and you don't have to ever switch again. Your jobs may change, but your identity doesn't change. Your relationships may change, but your identity doesn't have to change. Your, your physical body, it may, it may go through some changes, but you don't have to change your identity. Everything around you can be changing, but you don't have to change your identity. I also wrote this down. When you don't know, when you don't know your identity, you have to be what others tell you to be. When you don't know who your identity is, you have to be what others tell you, tell you that you are. And what I found is this, it's exhausting trying to be what people want me to be. It's exhausting. That is exhausting. When you don't know your identity, then you have to be what other people's tell you to be. I, I, I think this may be for someone here today, maybe this third thing down, you may, if you wanna write these down, you can write these things down, but I think maybe when you don't know who your identity is, you have to be what you used to be. Or you have to be what happened to you. Maybe you were a, I, I sit across every Thursday with, with a man and he's, a, and he's married now and he's adopted um, this, he, he met his wife and adopted her daughter. The, do, the, the daughter was the result of, um, of, of, a, of a rape, she was a rape victim and she, had the, she just chose to still have the baby. And this kid now is 20-something years old. And you know what? He said, my wife's never, ever walked around saying, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, I'm a victim. She says, that was in her past. If you don't know who your identity is, you gotta be what, you're, you gotta be what happened to you. You just, you'll be, whatever happened to me, that's, that's who I am. I'm this, so it happened to me, so that's what I am. We say this all the time, you're not, you're not your sin. You can only be what God calls you to your be. You can only be who God calls you to be. So here, let me make this really simple for you as I, as I kind of wrap it up. You were made by somebody. And that person was Jesus. And you'll never be all that you're called to be until your identity is in him. Over a hundred plus times in the New Testament, they use the phrase in Christ. If anyone's a new creature, they're in Christ. If anyone's following Jesus, they're in Christ. Anyone that is, who's chosen Christ and who's gonna follow Christ, they're in 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 Christ. Your identity for you and for me, our identity, we have to place our identity in something because we're going to. And the only thing that you can put your identity in that will last forever and you never have to change your identity ever again is if you put your identity in Christ. You've gotta put your identity in Christ and the cross of Jesus. You have to put your identity in that. And until then, you'll never truly live. And not only will you never truly live, you'll never ever truly be free unless your identity is in Him. And here's the, here's the deal. Wherever you've put your identity in, in the past, it doesn't be where you put your identity at in the future. Wes, that's, a, that's, a, that's an uphill battle I'm gonna have to climb, Wes. God's already climbed the uphill for you. Man, I wanna trust him, Wes, I wanna follow him, but I just, I did this, I did this, I did this. It's okay, God's already made a way for you. It's free for me. God's already taken his identity and he put his identity on the cross and his body on the cross and he bore all the sins for the world and that includes you and it includes me and he did that for us. He did that for you and he did it for me so that we can have an identity. You know where everyone's identity was before the cross? In doing all these 600 plus laws, exhausting, 
We don't have no laws to follow. We have a savior to follow. And his name is Jesus. This is really, it's really simple. At, at the core of, of, of who we are as a church and, and the core of who we are as being is this, that we place our identity in Jesus and we stay there. We stay there. That's hard, Wes. Hey, come on, that'll preach. I know it's hard. Every day I can remind myself, I'm, this is not my life. This is Christ. This is Christ. If you think you belong to yourself, you're gonna live an exhausting life. You don't even belong to yourself. <laughs> like, I hate this church. You don't even belong to yourself. Like, you don't even belong to yourself. Everything you have, you don't even own it. We're just stewards of it. And God wants you and I to put our identity in Him. And He's not gonna hijack whatever you have, whatever you think He's gonna hijack. He's not gonna take anything from you. When you, when you put, and so many people think, man, if I trust Jesus, then I gotta, I gotta do all these things. If you trust Jesus and follow Jesus, you get love, and you get joy, and you get peace, and you get patience, and you get kindness, and you get all of these, you get an inheritance that's far greater than any earthly inheritance. You get, when you get you get way more than you have to think that God's gonna take from you. He wants to dump his love and lavish it on you and just cover you with it and drown you in his love and his forgiveness and his mercy. He wants to do that for you. The Bible tells us in, in Ephesians, I'm sorry, in, in Galatians 2.20, it says, I'm crucified with Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. I'm, I'm Paul said this, if I could, Paul said this, I love what he says, and he wrote um, Galatians, he said, if I could have got on the cross with Jesus, I would have got on it with him. I wish I could have got on the cross with him. If anyone, he says, if, if you're, he says, I'm crucified with Christ. It's not longer me that lives. It's Christ that lives in me. It's not me that lives. It's Christ living in me. I go where Jesus wants me to go. I do what Jesus wants me to do. I say things that Jesus wants me to do. We've got to find our identity in him, which may mean that we've got to leave some of us behind. And here's the deal about leaving stuff behind. That sounds exhausting. Here's how you leave stuff behind. Just find yourself being more consumed with Jesus and those things will just become so trivial to you. They'll become so trivial to you. So I don't know where you're out of here today. And here's what I don't know. I don't know where your identity's at. Here's what my friend told me about this church. He says, um, he said, your wife and keep your wife and kids first. He said, because if you lose your wife and kids, you're gonna lose the church. You're just going to. Church world's different. When, you're, when, you're, when, you, when you stand for the Bible and you, and you preach the Bible every, every week, it's, the only, it's one of those professions where like, if you, you're, you're up on stage in front of everyone all the time. And so if you mess up, then people just, it's easy for them to remove you or it's easy for them to take off and do their own thing. It's easy for them to, to judge you. It's easy for them to look at you a, a certain kind of way because everything you do is always in front of everybody else. He said, so take care of that first. I said, well, how do you recommend I do that? He goes, the best way I can tell you to do that is just make sure you remember that you are, you belong to Christ. You belong to Christ and their, and your wife and your kids, they belong to Christ and you're supposed to steward them before you steward anything else in this, in this world. So I don't know where your, I don't know where your identity is at. And, and, and if 
we're not religious, so I can't say, oh, I think yours is there, I think yours is there. I think you know where your identity's at. I think you know that. I think at 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old, got a message from a 21 year old this week and she said, I just broke up my boyfriend. I always like getting those text messages because I'm like, he wasn't good enough for you anyways, girlfriend. Move on. That's what I want to say. I don't say that. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, I, you know, she says, just, it's hard. Just, just pray for me. And it's always tied to the fact that so much of their identity came in that relationship. That's where my identity is at. I just, and so I don't really know who I am anymore because I've, Here's the deal. If you place your identity in Christ, you will always know who you're called to be because he tells us who he wants us to be. He wants us to be in him. He wants us to live for him, in him, and through him. Let's bow our head and close our eyes.